What's going on, boys and girls? We have a terrific episode of Two White Lights for you today. We give our instant reactions of the bench rule change. That's right. The IPF officially announced their bench rule change that will go into effect in 2023. There's actually quite a bit more than the elbow depth. Um, after Steve got done laughing for what seemed to be forever, he explained it, and we explained those rule changes and the potential issues. We give our takes, and also we were joined very briefly by Gage Carrion, and he gives his opinions on the IPF bench rule changes. And if there's something important going on in powerlifting, you got to get Gage's viewpoint on it, right? Like, that's the first person you should ask. So he was with us for, like, three minutes. Then we interviewed Sean Jin, the junior world champion in the 83-kilo weight class. The outspoken Sean Jin, I call him powerlifting's newest bad boy, the unsuspecting bad boy. He's a hell of a lifter. He had a fantastic performance at IPF Worlds, and he talks about his performance at IPF Worlds, how he stacks up against the best in the world in the 83-kilo weight class in the open, 82.5-kilo weight class as well. And he also uh, gives some... Detail on why he's so spoke, outspoken on social media, the heat he's received from a few fan bases, um, even from the IPF on a few occasions. And also, he gives a lifter rating. Awesome interview. Sean is our kind of people on Two White Lights. I love the guy. Hopefully, we can have him on again sometime. Make sure you are subscribing to Two White Lights on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Make sure you are leaving a five-star review. And make sure you are uh, leaving a... Review as well on Apple Podcasts. So if you want to say something even facetious like Steve is better than Angelo, you can say that as long as a five-star rating. Subscribe on twowhitelights.com. And also, while you're on twowhitelights.com, go to the shop. We have Two White Lights merchandise. We released the original logo tee, the top rope tee, and also the tumblers. But now we got the hashtag bad journalism tee. We are famous for bad journalism. Buy yourself a t-shirt, hashtag bad journalism. And also, we got the redrop of the fight night tee on the website make sure you're using all the affiliates codes we have the swole fester marcellus williams solana lewis kyle miller steve denovi myself use promo code jello 10 because if steve beats me in this i'll never hear the end of it and i don't want him to win anything i do not want steve to win anything ever so make sure you're using those promo codes check out our merchandise and without further ado here it is two white lights Oh baby, I like it raw. Yeah, baby, I like it raw. Oh baby, I like it raw. Yeah, baby, I like it raw. Shimmy, shimmy, y'all, shimmy, yeah, shimmy, yeah. Give me the mic so I can take her away. Off on the natural charge, bone for yards. Yeah, from the home of the Dodger Brooklyn squad. Who tank killer, bees on the swarm. Rain on your college ass, disco drum. Will you to even touch my skill? You gotta go through one killer bee. And as promised, I'm here with Steve Denovi, and there is an IPF bench rule change. Wait, it happened? I haven't seen anything on Instagram about it. Elbow death, baby. Okay, wait, what's the actual change? Elbow depth. <laughs> 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 
can't do it this early. I figure it's grip width. Wasn't that the change? No, it's elbow depth. <laughs> okay, let's actually do the episode. I had to get out of my system. Yeah, I'm. I have severe regrets letting you do that. All right, so. <laughs> So, yes, the IPF officially has um, announced that going into 2023, there will be different uh, rule changes as far as bench goes. And this is probably the most extreme uh, rule change that we've seen of any one of the three lifts, at least in my lifetime. Would that be fair? Yeah, since 2019. Oh yeah, oh, that was my. When lifetime. you actually yeah, started paying it, when you started paying attention to powerlifting. Well, there has there been a well, has there been a like a. No, I yeah, don't think there's been, think a, there's a, been... A, a, a change like this. I mean, the last like huge change, really it's happened twice now. The last huge change, at least in the IPF, was when they changed the weight classes. I don't think there's been any other significant changes, mm. um, which obviously then they changed USAPL, changed back to the, the prior weight classes. But that's the only thing I can think of in like, I think I started mainly paying attention like 2014-ish. That's the only major change I can really think of that was like pretty significant other than like small little, small little adjustments and whatnot. So... But yeah, I'll go through the rules because there are actually three rule changes. Two, I think, are completely trivial and don't even matter and they don't do anything. I mean, so I don't even care that they got changes. It's whatever. Um, but the main one is obviously the elbow depth. And yeah. so I'll just read the rules, which that's one of the issues is what is the rules? Um, because they don't really make complete sense. It's uh, the underside of both elbow elbow joints is lowered level with or below the top surface surface of each representative shoulder joint. Probably everyone listening to this, or if you go to the rule book, you can see the pictures. No one understands what the top level of the shoulder joint is. I, I originally, like if they would have said just literally the top of the shoulder so that you can like, there's the obvious line, just like there's the hip crease, the thigh goes to the hip crease. It's the top of the line. It's not the top of the hip joint because you can't see the hip joint. It's literally not visible. It's inside your body. You can't see the top of the shoulder joint. So if that's truly the rule that like we're trying to figure out where the humerus is and the elbow's got to be below the humerus. Um, that's a, that's me worthy on top of being me worthy already. If it's the top of the shoulder, just the, the actual anatomical skin layered shoulder, that's a little bit better, albeit still a lot of issues. But if you're looking at the actual pictures they did, it makes it seem like it's the actual joint, like the actual humus humerus insertion in the glenohumeral joint it has to be below that and that's gonna be a world of fun to decide what depth is is taking that elbow below that uh, as well as oddly enough the one of the pictures they use i'm pretty sure that wasn't a good lift uh okay actually i take it back i didn't is lowered level with or below the surface so you don't have it's not like it's like hitting parallel on squat yeah all you have to do is get to parallel mm -hmm. that is interesting okay i take that back so that actually is in sense i guess depth on that good lift there um so the i mean that's rule number one we'll obviously get deep into that rule number two <clears throat> can't put your feet on the bench during the setup we already discussed we don't even need to talk about it this episode we already talked about how that's going to do absolutely nothing other than change they, some they people's were bench. suggesting I mean, that in 2019 that. they were suggesting that in 2018 or 2019 to get it was it was gaston's dumbass idea of having a flat back bench completely and then not putting your feet up on the bench i'm like I don't know. Even to me, who was I was very nuanced to the sport of powerlifting at that time. I'm like, 
that doesn't do anything. I've seen a bunch of people with their massive arches not use not need to use the bench at all. Actually, it's it's poor technique if you're doing it for a lot of people. Stupid. Yeah, I I don't have anyone do that. I prefer they don't. I have some people that do, but I prefer they don't. And then the last one is maybe even just as confusing as the elbow depth. It's butt contact. And I I don't know what they necessarily mean because it says the actual statement is the picture proper starting position shut up show, show the minimum acceptable limit in the sense that the butt has to be in contact. So are, are we changing it to now the fact that it's not just the butt has to be in contact. There's now a subjective acceptable limit or is it just during the setup? Like once you bench, is it allowed to move and just barely be in contact? I don't know. That one is not going to get as much attention, but that one is almost as subjective of what they're, I mean, I get the extremity extremity of what they're showing in the picture. Like the guy where just like the bottom of your butt cheek is barely touching. I get that. But like what happens when someone starts benching and their butt starts hovering and they're just barely touching. Is that not, I don't know that one. I don't, I don't, I don't know what it means nor. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. The that one I need. Mean, all the hover cue enjoyers might, uh, not like that uh, rule change because that's kind of just keeping a little bit of your butt on the bench. And if you have a big ass that actually helps like if that hovering, um, I, I don't, or I didn't see that one, but I can see a whole lot of issues with that. Yeah. I, I feel like it's just like this very on that one. I, I think it's just a very selective group of people with this weird setup because they didn't, they didn't change the rules during the actual press. It was only the setup. So I honestly think that's going to be a non-factor too. And just like the, the feet on the bench, like, that's just like, you, you can change it, but it really doesn't do anything. It, it's mainly the elbow depth on bench, which, yeah. uh, I think we've got four bullet points to cover. You've got one extra. I've got three. One is just the fact of, uh, judging and that's my main the subjectivity that this that that's the main one this is i mean this is regardless if i agree with arching or not we've already talked about touch on that subject uh on multiple podcasts we don't know go through it it's the issue with this that i literally didn't even include this when we were talking about it before as an option because i did i thought it was one of the worst things you could ever do is add more subjective judging criteria yeah that would be that's horrible um number two uh is the fact that uh i, I Talk to someone who's a little bit higher up and is talking to some international referees. And the exact words I heard were some international referees were thinking about handing in their ref card. If you look at the polls and whatnot, um, uh, it, the people that are likely for this are people who have never ref before. Mm-hmm. Um, very few people who ref. Also, are very, for this I would actually argue that they're not really into powerlifting. Um, the people mm-hmm. who are for it, based on the comments, I look at them and like, you look like a, a meathead. Or a Jim Meathead, one of those guys who they dabble in powerlifting, but it's more putting on muscle on their body and uh, maybe a football background as well. Those are the people who are really shouting it at the rooftops that this is a really good idea. And I'm like, you're not really a powerlifter because we understand the reason why they're getting rid of this because it looks ridiculous and it does look like they're cheating the system a bit, which I understand. But we have to look at it logical, from a logical standpoint. If you're a judge in this situation, you're making their job hard and we're losing judges in the sport or losing referees because people aren't volunteering and this might hurt that 
push even more. All right, we're back. We had a little uh, malfunction with uh, audio recording, so if I sound a little different because we had to switch to FaceTime versus Zoom. Yeah, but, I just broke my uh, mixer. I just got so pissed off with these bench rules that I just I punched my I kyled my mixer. Pretty much. So point number three, though, local meat. No one's talking about that. Um, and straight up, I mean, Gasson admitted it in that podcast, this Durin's podcast, um, that this was to get into the Olympics. Mm-hmm. So this, this is a rule change to get into the Olympics, which one, we're not going to do. Two, right now, the fast track for the Olympics, if there was one, is for equipped lifting. Three, that is only for the highest level of lifter. Um, the fact of the matter is, at a local level, this just increases the barrier of entry for the ITF route. You now, if you want to do a powerlifting American meet, one, there's not very many local level meets. And that's obviously a U.S. thing. There's not very many local level meets to begin with, but two, you have the ITF equipment rules list you have to abide by. And then three, now there's increased bench rules, which sounds a slight thing. But when someone has to decide who's just a, a hobbyist local level lifter and doesn't have a strong affiliation, which is the fact matters is a lot of lifters don't have strong affiliation. They just want a good local level meet. They care more about the meat director and the meat. And if it's a choice between a USTA drug tested meat, a USAPL meat, and a PA meat, that's all fairly equal level playing field. And two of them don't have restrictions on their current equipment and have the same bench rules that they're used to. And they don't have to worry about subjective depth calls. Um, which one do you think they're going to choose? Yeah. I mean, imagine bombing out on depth on bench press at a power of thing America local meet. Like th- this is the majority of the lifters. It's a heavy majority of the lifters. People are just going to get to local level. Granted, I kind of see it though. Like the power of thing America's marketing is really for lifters who simply just want to compete in the IPF. So I think those lifters know what is expected of them and they know what they're getting themselves into. But they do, I mean, any federation needs a local meet presence, but at the same time, maybe this could work as a good thing for Powerlifting America because I fear what happens when they have a lot of members. I could see a lot of things crumbling if they have a lot of members um, with drug testing and just simply trying to cater to um, a, uh, a customer base that isn't 500 people. Yeah, but at the same time, if you're catering towards elite level lifters and you want to host high level nationals, you need revenue. Yeah, I don't think they want to. Membership I count. think they would rather have your really simple American or um, your really simple national meet, like what they do in other countries, and then IPF Worlds is the big thing. I don't know if they want to highly produce really nice looking uh, or uh, a USAPL esque nationals. I don't think they want to do that. No, they don't. Then this is fine for them. That's an but assumption. I guess we can roll back around to that. We yes. can roll back and get deeper in the local level thing. But I say we go back around to really number one, which is judging. Yeah. Number one question I have: Where are these judges going to sit? Well, it's either one of two things: they either sit on the side because you still need to see if the buck comes up, which I think they're going to have to sit on the side. But if they're sitting on the side, you can't judge elbow depth. And if they sit in the front, you can judge elbow depth, but then you can't see if the buck comes up. Mm-hmm. So where are they going to sit? I can tell you right now, if yeah, if you if you want to go from the front and I can get away with my ass coming off the bench, my my bench will improve by five kilos. There is some real good bench presses I can have with my ass completely off the bench. I'll go high school on their asses. That is an actual unfair competitive advantage, and that's why they took it out of 
uh, or they they added it into the rule book. So if they want to do that, I'm like, eh, hey, shit, maybe I might go to Powerlifting America and I could actually add five kilos and they do the exact opposite of what they were attending to do. But uh, for me, when I looked at it, I'm like, oh, just judge depth from the from the back from the back judge and that's it. Like you could possibly get a red light from depth from the back judge and that's all you're gonna get. But then I was looking like, Wait. no, you have to have the other three. You have to have the other two judges judging depth too. So I, it's. Yeah, it's logically it doesn't work. I don't know. Every time I look at this, it just doesn't work from a referee standpoint. Unless they do one thing, unless it just it looks good enough, it looks good enough, and they're gonna white light it. That's it. I don't know how strict they're gonna be with it. If it looks parallel, if it's slightly above parallel. Then whatever they're just gonna you're gonna err on the side of the lifter. Or at least that's what I hope. If I was a judge in this situation, that's what I would do. I'd when like, is the IP- I'll be like, "Fuck you! I'm doing. I'm I'm calling it. If it looks parallel, they're getting a white light, and I don't give a shit." Well, two things: when is the IPF ever aired on the side of the lifter on squat depth? And then two: what happens when they're a little loosey goosey on that, and then someone does get called, and then they go back and be like, "This is way lower than this person," and you're giving depth all day on this. It just goes back to like. The single worst thing we could have ever done is add subjectivity. And yet, like ITF put in their post, 95% of lifters are not affected. No, 100% of lifters are affected. Every single lifter, or the vast majority, all this morning, and the IPF went and is going to go get a video of them from behind to check their bench depth. Because everyone is going to be affected in some way by this, because it's going to have to be something they think about. Um, I coach Waskar. We're checking for him. He, he looks kind of like on the border, even though like he has a pretty decent range of motion. And we're, yeah. we're kind of just going to kind of see how it plays out. Like, if, you ever I, saw I, Was- I, if you ever saw Waskar's bench, is that a person you want to start making rule changes for? No, it, it, it's completely fine. But it, it's like on the border to the where mm-hmm. like we're like, okay, well, we got to kind of see how this plays out. And if we need to, maybe we'll go a little bit closer. But like, it's kind of like right on that edge. And like, then you've got the head judge who's got to worry about press commands. So you're telling me that head judge has to look left, right, check depth, <laughs> press command. Oh, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to get those pauses in if that's the case. Do two do two looks and then you're gonna get a nice two second pause. Might as well putting in those variations now. Or or you know what you can do? It's gonna it's gonna revitalize the sink benchers, right? You get that extra bit of depth by sinking into your chest. Yeah. I mean, that, that's probably one of the few people that don't. I mean, again, there's some people who are not going to worry too much, but just it's adding a lot of, subjectivity yeah. was the worst thing they could have done. Yeah, it's it the most contentious thing. Rule change. The most contentious thing is squat depth, right? There's so many borderline squats, and it gets contentious. That's, I think, the most contentious thing in powerlifting. Now you're adding it to a second lift. And by the way, it's the most meaningless fucking lift in the meet. People tune out bench press all the time just because it's the bench press. People don't get as excited for Jake Amendola's amazing bench press as they do for a squat or a deadlift. They're 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 hyper focusing on the lift that gets the least amount of exposure in powerlifting, and it's because people are making comments on Instagram. The more I look at it, the more I see it and hear the rationale. It's like it it just rooted on shitty logic, and I think a shitty goal at hand or at at the end. The goal is to get into the Olympics. I, you guys know my stance on that. I mean, right now they're 
they're putting in break dancing and youth sports and surfing as opposed to any strength related sport because five years later we're gonna find out that half the fucking uh, powerlifting or Olympic weightlifting team popped positive. So right there, you're not gonna get into the Olympics. It's gonna it's a pipe dream to begin with, and I don't even understand this part uh, part of it. It just helps the mainstream audience member understand bench press. They're gonna people are gonna tune out of the Olympics because somebody is benching with a zero range of motion. Shut up, dumb fucking uh, dumb logic, dumb dumb logic. Well, what we're gonna get to? Watchgar posted this. I think it was a great post. Is uh, it's always said, oh, someone sees those benches that doesn't watch powerlifting. Like, how does that even count? Well, what happens when you show your your grandmother your bench press and say, oh, this didn't count. I missed depth. And I didn't get that lift. What do you mean? Yeah, exactly. You, you touched your chest and you locked out. Well, no, my elbows weren't at bench depth. And like, well, what is bench depth? Yeah, that that it, 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 you're just going one of the, it, both of them are confusing. Like you see, it, it neither helps. Well, then you see a bunch of people too. I mean, squat depth. Like for a lot of people, squat depth of parallel is good. They want to lift at squat depth of parallel, so they see a parallel squat and they're like, "But well, this didn't count." And they see something crazy, like 700 pounds, like, wow, this didn't count? Like, no, it didn't because I didn't get depth. You have a hard time splitting that to main or mainstream audiences. So this is going to, I think, work in almost the opposite. And uh, I, I it, and it's a funny thing. A lot of these people making comments about, you know, zero range of motion benches or high arch benches, their squat depth is parallel. At times, you could you can actually there's a really good correlation. People who bitch about high arches and their squat depth, they're okay with some high squats, but God forbid you arch a lot on bench. Ah, just stupid, stupid. Well, here's the thing: this isn't changing arches at all. Do, do you not notice, people listening? Go look at the uh, the rule, the picture, the top one that is a depth. That dude has a huge arch. Yeah. Well, a and, huge arch. And the female, too. I'm telling you, Sean, Sean Noriega, who is the poster child here for a lot of bench stuff, if he goes and puts his pinky on the rings, he can hit bench steps. He still could. If he was going ITF, which he isn't, he could still arch. You're not going to change that because, because guess what? Arching isn't about just cutting range of motion. There's a lot of aspects. And one of them is the fact that you leverage the pec and the pressing muscles in a stronger position when you're in that decline. The reason you can decline bench press more than you can incline bench press. So when you do an arch, you're putting yourself in a position that mimics a decline. So even if you have to do a closer range of motion or a closer grip, you're still going to be stronger than if you went wide and had the same range of motion with a flatter back. Mm -hmm. So no one's going to stop arching. It's just, it, it, yes, it, maybe it's going to increase in people's range of motion, but no one's going to stop arching. Oh, uh, uh, but then watch, I mean, go on other people's Instagram, mainly females of a bunch of gym hardos telling them that they're going to break their back while benching. And a lot of those arches that we see aren't the extreme ones. I think Celine Crum gets it sometimes. Every time I see Celine Crum's bench, I'm like, that is a standard bench press. And she gets hate comments. Females get hate comments for that arch. The one, the picture that they picked, I don't know if that was, I, I was that Samantha Eugene? I could be wrong. That is something that will get hate on the internet. That type of arch will get hate on the internet. Some fucking guy who hasn't put in a total in their lives will comment, this is not how you bench press. Your back is supposed to be flatter than this. 
you're going to end up with injuries or you're cheating. And we're making rules to accommodate that that fictional douchebag I just made up as opposed to... Yeah, and I've mentioned this on my Instagram story. I'm just talking about it now. Like, this ends up just being a grip width rule change. That Because that's all that's going to happen. Like I said, no one's going to stop arching. Only thing that's going to happen is some of these people with the max grip, Japanese-style, internally rotated uh, setup are going to bring their grip in, and then they're going to keep their arch. And it then just comes back to, okay, we we actually did accomplish what was the, possibly the, the one good fix, which was grip width. But we did that while adding the fact that we're going to subjectively have judges have to uh, watch for bench depth. And I am telling you straight up, this leads into point number two. Um, judges do not want to do that. Um, I saw one person that said they were looking to become an IPF category one or two referee, and they said they no longer will want to. Like I said, I had someone that uh, is a little bit higher up and, and knows a good deal of international referees that said they are legitimately thinking about handing in their cards because, like, they're so sick and tired of this. And we right now have a volunteer crisis. Mm-hmm. We don't have enough referees. Um, this isn't necessarily about the lifters of why I hate this rule so much. Um, because in sense, it does accomplish the task of, of like the super cheating arches, like you could call it like the ones that are just most ridiculous. It does actually kind of fix that, but it really screws over refereeing yeah. and makes it more complicated, offers them up to more criticism, makes their job harder and increases subjectivity to the point that one, we're going to get some referees who are not going to want to do it anymore. And then two, we're going to increase the barrier of entry for people who want to get into refereeing by saying, eh, I don't even know if I want to do it anymore. This is too complicated. Every single lift has so much subjectivity. Like, this is just getting ridiculous. Yeah, it's great to take a job that people are going to hate you for giving red lights on something that they might not And you get paid zero dollars for. Yeah, <laughs> that they might not feel that they get a uh, red light on. Yeah, and, get, and, get, and, do it for, and do it for free. You get hated for free. Funny. It's awesome. That's one of the keys here. Uh, people might say, here's a, here's a comeback. Well, uh, refereeing in the NFL isn't simple. Think about how many rules they're having to do. Those guys get paid hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah, they get paid like If I got paid hundreds of thousands of dollars and that was my full-time job, you know what? People will probably be lining up to be powerlifting referees, mm-hmm. but oh, yeah. they aren't because they get they, most of them are having to pay out of pocket to do this because yeah. they're, they're getting some of their expenses covered, but not all of them. So they're paying out of pocket to have their job made harder. Yeah. So it is not comparable to like no. an NFL referee who's getting paid hundreds of thousands of dollars. If somebody ever makes that comparison, they're stupid. Just a dumb comparison to make. It's it's a horrible. So they watch anime and they never watch sports. Yeah, exactly. Or I mean, it's just under not understanding how jobs work too. It's like yeah, if you are in a multi-billion-dollar company like the NFL or Major League Baseball, they're gonna pay every employee who makes the game actually happen and work. So. Yeah, comparing the two is stupid, and yeah, I, I I think there would be some sort of hesitancy to get judging in, and I, I guess I could circle back to the Olympic thing right now, and I guess it relates to the judges, too. I would be, I would have a different opinion on this if it was completely changing the landscape of powerlifting. If it was, you know, skewing totals, People were winning competitions on zero range of motion, and they said that. If, if IPF said it's like, we're going to do this because we feel like a lot of lifters are getting cheated, I'll hear them out. The main goal is the Olympics. 
you're isolating people from the sport because you want to get into the Olympics, this hyper-obsession with the Olympics. That is the reason, because you believe, you think that the audience is going to respect the sport more if people had a bench press with a lot of range of motion. When you try to justify your arguments and your rationale behind a rule change because of that goal, I just shut off. I was just going to say, if you're if the, for the people, and this is repeating, being a dead horse, you already said it, but if you're arguing that like somehow bench arches are ruining mainstream, you better ban sumo deadlifting too. Yeah. Because you're getting just as much hate and comments from the 17-year-old TikTok kids who just started working out on sumo deadlift as you I, are getting on bench arches. I would say that that's the most talked about thing or the most criticized thing in powerlifting is sumo deadlifts. Go on any YouTube channel. Sumo, though, LOL. Some some 17-year-old dickhead who LOL, like, well, I don't know. I would respect this more if this was conventional or people who comment on my deadlift. This is the only sumo I respect. And then I look at the picture and the icon and some kid who definitely just consumes estrogen. Just like they somehow just only eat estrogen. That's the comments I get. And it's like, holy shit, we're trying to compete for their respect. The person who the person who shouldn't have an opinion on anything strength related. That's who the, that's who you're competing for. That's that's the that's the focus are those types of people. And I've seen it. I, I've seen it a ton. And I, even even the compliments I receive on my deadlift from sumo, it's like, oh, at least you have good range of motion. I'm like, I, I hate the person who just sent me that compliment. Those are the worst type of people. But Gaston probably doesn't listen to my lights. He probably doesn't follow me. All I have to do is probably just make an insulting post about him, and he'll reach out to Robert Keller and see um, if I'm a Powerlifting America member so he can find ways to discipline me. If, if he is listening, I got I, I got... I can work around all these rules. Your flat back completely bench press was very stupid. I'm glad that wasn't the case because then you would have ruined powerlifting. Then guarantee the IPF actually goes under. You have the elbow depth thing. It's better than the flat back bench, but there's a whole lot of other problems. I actually think well, some people just astronomically can't get that, even though they have a lot of range of motion. If they have a lot of range of motion, you're still penalizing them for trying to get a bench depth. Or you have the grip on the rings. This is the best thing, and I posted on my story. Whenever somebody is setting up for bench press, immediately stop them if it starts to look stupid. If it starts to look ridiculous, they stop. Hey, stop. Stop doing what you're doing and bench press like a normal person. So Eddie Berglund starts setting up for bench press, immediately be like, nope, no, 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 no. Go in the back and make that look normal. And then come back out here and, and bench. That would be the best thing. You're if you were worried about people uh, with zero range of motion benches, and you want to eliminate those types of bench presses. That's all you have to do. It's to know it when you see it. Rule with pornography. You know it when you see it with explicit pornography. It's like it's like pornography. It's like taking the perfect shit. You know it when you see it. When Sean Noriega starts setting up for bench, you're like, oh no, no. What are you doing? No, no, no. Get that out of here. Get that shit out of here. And then make that look normal <laughs> in the back. That would be the best thing to do. Put it and in the rule like, book. Put, it, put that in the rule book. If the judges think your bench press is starting to look stupid, immediately red light them or tell them to set up like a normal person. 
Well, what I think you need, because the issue would be with that rule, is the fact that if it's different judges for every meet, the subjectivity changes. You need one overriding chairman on fence stupidity to be present for all international competitions to be the overriding subjective uh, opinion on if it looks stupid or not. Yeah. Well, and honestly, I think we should go to TikTok, find out who is the overriding uh, uh, a thought leader on this based off of comments from 16-year-old TikTokers, hire them, and they can be at all world championships to be able to give their opinion if it looks stupid or not. I was about to say, have an Instagram commenter just as the guy. As the or the girl, because girls do this too. Girls, uh, the girls are not nice to each other when it comes to bench arches. Have an Instagram commenter there, and they override everything. They're like, "Wait, what's going on here? What is he doing? This looks strange. Did that bar even move? No, no lift. That that, that was ridiculous. Because I'm going. I would admit the only thing with the bench thing is it looks stupid. It does look stupid." If you just eliminate the people who have weird-looking bench presses, I think you solved the problem. But now you're going to start red-lighting people who just have regular range of motion bench presses. Like, with my rule. For like, equip lifters in, in the world games, that's what we're doing this for. Yeah. Yeah, oh, well, I keep on hearing, but, though, that they're going to try to make a raw push for the world games. Uh, I heard that too until I saw the the same guy who announced that these bench changes were coming initially also said he talked to Gaston and said they were keeping equipped in the world game. Yeah. Which he is surprising, on right? the same thing Isn't, because he said it would piss off too many other countries since a lot of other countries prioritize equipped and so they were keeping it. So that, that's coming from the same person who has credibility for the fact that he announced that this was happening in the first place and said in the same conversation he had with Gaston, Gaston said equipped is staying in the world game. Well, that would, is going to be number one. That would make sense. I mean, if you do look internationally as opposed to just America, then yeah, it, it is equipped is still a very viable division in powerlifting. I'm just surprised Gaston, who hasn't lifted a weight in his in his life, oh, I won't be that hard. He's poss possibly been in a gym or two, but it's not never powerlifting. Yeah, a yoga class. Yeah, yoga classes, um, spin classes, perhaps. <laughs> um, I was going to make a joke there. I'm not going to. Um, I don't want to get cease and desisted, but, uh, or at least again, um, I, uh, I, a guy who has a competing in powerlifting airing to the side of equip lifting like that to me is, I, I it, there's a sense of irony there. Cause I think equip level lifters are the real hardcore lifters of powerlifting. They, I, I actually do think they have a very true um, passion, like a truer passion than raw lifters a lot of times for the actual sport. So a guy who's never power lifted, airing on the side of equipped is funny, but he does think about business. He does think analytically about those things. And I do see the issue with having a guy who's never competed in powerlifting make those business decisions as opposed to sport decisions. I don't know. We're going to get into other conversations here, and I guess we'll make the episode I powerlifting in the Olympics. That would be the episode. When powerlifting gets into the Olympics, possibly when you are 45 years old and I am 40 years old, <laughs> because the Olympics still goes every four years. It's not. I'm not saying that it's going to take too long. It just naturally, the Olympics last its four-year span. What our opinions are going to be on that? Because, like you said, it just could be equipped. Let's, yeah. We'll still be we'll cool. See. And just a uh, last point that I'll come back around to it is again, I mean, one of my biggest issues with the ITF in the first place 
is the barrier of entry they created at the local level because their their overriding goal is to make the Olympics, not in sense grow powerlifting at the local level. So they create barriers of entry such as the equipment list and stuff like that. That makes it a little harder. Now, can you still do it? Yeah, but it makes it harder. But I I really do think if even if people don't agree that if if you're going to choose between USPA drug tested, USAPL or PA, and there's a choice of all three, you're going to choose the one that is going to be the simplest for your first meet to get into. Because uh, I remember my first meet, single biggest thing I was worried about, squat depth. I didn't, I had no idea how that was called. I knew what it was. I was super scared. Do I squat deep enough? Mm -hmm. I was messaging people. You go on the USAPL uh, Facebook page or the USPA Facebook page all the time. First time lifters are posting, is this squat depth? Because they don't know. Yeah. Now we're going to have people saying, is this bench depth? Am I okay? Am I going to get white lights on this? And they're having to like worry going into their first meet. And so, you know what? It's going to be a simple thing. It, it Rather than having to have that slight worry, they're just going to go towards USAPL and uh, USBA, yeah. at least in the US side. Obviously, in some other countries, um, there is sometimes a lot of times just not any other options. But obviously, being uh, Americans uh, and biased, that's what's going to happen here. It's, I mean, USAPL and USPA, USPA are already dominating the local level scene. That's just that's just going to guarantee that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Then uh, I think that's the main thing to look at because you do need people in the sport for it to grow. Um, that's that's the people are going to buy the equipment. People are going to buy the merchandise. It's, that's more money going to the sport. The memberships. There's more money going to the sport, and you can start funneling that back to the lifters. Well, I'll go on with one more thing. If you are then cycling in all the new lifters that are going to grow within USPA and USAPL, guess where the future volunteers are? Yeah, and all those other feds. Yep. Well, I uh, right. mean they can't shift over, but the ITF has a lot of things they need to worry about in regards. I mean, it's it, maybe it's not. I, I'm pretty sure it's an issue worldwide, but in the U.S. right now, people don't know we have a pretty significant volunteer issue, especially because of the split. That was likely the single biggest issue. Um, empowering America is letting people in the USAPL or letting people go back and forth between IPF judging and, and USAPL judging because literally none of these meets could exist if we didn't do that because there's not enough referees. Mm-hmm. Um, but at this point, it, at one point, well, most of these referees that exist right now were IPF one, cat one, cat two referees going through the USAPL when the USAPL was the affiliate. At this point now, if you grow up in USAPL and and start becoming a national referee, that is completely, I believe, washed out, and you'd have to restart that whole process if you went over to the ITF. Mm-hmm. They're now two separate; they're not grandfathered in anymore. Yeah. So if you're if if you're not building a local level to produce your future volunteers, that's going to have long term effects. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually a really good point there. Um, that should be actually, I mean, you know what the funny thing is? It's not going to be the highlight of this episode. The, us, are, uh, us just making jokes is going to be the highlight of the episode. Like when people re, like repost shit, people are going to not mention what you said, which is incredibly important. And that's probably the highlight of this because it, it is very important for the future of the sport of powerlifting. Powerlifting, as far as refereeing goes, it's kind of like Little League Baseball. I, if you guys have played travel baseball in your lives and as a kid, like you know, I, I have, umping was the hardest thing to find. If you don't have umps for the game, you cannot play the game, and you would have to pay them. You'd have to pay like an 18-year-old kid like 50 bucks or something to ump a seven-inning game, and you would constantly have to do that. Sometimes you couldn't get two umpires. You would have one. That was Little League Baseball, though. 
this is the highest level of powerlifting, and we might not have enough volunteers for high levels of powerlifting. It's like we, we, we do the Little League stuff for the highest level, but then at the local level, we're going to have less than Little League baseball. We're going to have people who just really enjoy doing what they're doing and have a, a passion for the sport and want to help the sport out. If you start eliminating that, we are going to have massive issues in the sport. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the judging thing is going to get, has been the hidden battle of USAPL versus IPF since the split. And this is a, I don't think the IPF realizes, at least in the U.S., again, I don't know the landscape of other countries enough, at least in the U.S., this is a major hit to the future potential of IPF referees coming out of the U.S. market. Yeah. Also, I like to, I mean, you mentioned the USAPL. I would like to mention the USAPL having arguably the best social media posts that they've had in about two and a half years today. We're recording this on Saturday right after the IPF announced it. I mean, you... Yep. And agreed. Standing ovation. And you want to know one of the biggest... Standing the biggest thing here because they've done, they've tried to take shots before, but it's always petty shots. You don't need to be petty. It's you just need to be passive, passive, passive aggressive. Pe- just post how to join USA Powerlifting and put Sean Noriega as your cover athlete for that. I laughed yep. so because I thought because I had a little bit of intel that it was going to be posted, but I thought it was a complete joke. And it got I did posted not realize today. it was Sean until just now. Oh, that's the best part. <laughs> that's yes, amazing. that's the that is the best part of it it's the perfect joke because one you're telling people like hey if you want to compete in the usapl this is how you do it also for your international lifters this is how you do it as well and you just just subtly put in sean noriega it's not showing his arch but you could tell if you're in the know that this is just a fantastic placement of athlete in this strategical post after the ipf says you need bench depth now just again, I'm going to give you another standing ovation. Yeah. Unbelievable! That was one of the best things I've seen USAPL do. It wasn't a very random rant that seemed like a Facebook group post. It was just a nice, subtle joke, and the point got across. Congratulations, USAPL! You won this battle just on the social media page without people being like, "Oh, USAPL is being petty." Why are they always so petty? But then the IPF bans comments. You can't comment on that post. Nope. It was similar to the nope. Women's Day post or the Japanese people are inferior post. That post is how you do it. Subtle, professional, and, and let, let, the, uh, let the subliminal message do the work, not having to get into a, a name-calling battle like the other posts have done that have caused too many issues. So yeah. yeah, that was that was just perfection and the <laughs> I can't believe I didn't realize that was Sean. That makes it so much better now. They that makes it so much better. Yeah, that that is the best person to add in there and it was cuz immediately people were like holy shit, they added Sean. That is that's too too funny. Too funny. Yeah, hands up and hands put together to just an unbelievable post and speaking of subtlety, doesn't subtle about this man we have coming on the show next. 83 kilo world champion 
Sean Jin, this interview is presented by Leflar Bros. Ladies and gentlemen, Leflar Bros is the best merchandise in powerlifting, has the best merchandise in powerlifting, continuously comes out with new dope designs, make you look good from head to toe. Dad hats, shirts, hoodies, tank tops, joggers, socks, they got it all. They're coming out with new deadlift socks too. I am excited. I mean, the Easter Bunny socks were good. The colorful socks were good, but, you know, a little bit of a House Targaryen vibe with the red and black coming out. Use promo code 2WL15 to save yourself some money on all Leflar Bros merchandise. Follow them on Instagram. Make sure you're checking everything out. Use Orc15 as well. Use Solana15. Buy the dip on official co-host. Affiliate program is looking good right now. Make sure you are going on LeflarBros.com. And now, but before we get to Sean Jin... Let's give Gage Carrion a really quick call and get his opinion on these new bench rules. Hey, what's up, man? Hello? Hey, really quick on Two White Lights, we want your opinion on the IPF bench rules. Man, my opinion on... Wait, so what? what's the rule change? You have your elbow as to what hit? Well... Yeah, Steve's not here to explain the smart way, but you just pretty much have to be parallel with your shoulders. Uh, I I mean, I kind of it it doesn't affect me. Does it affect you? No, but do you like it? I think, yeah. Why? I like it because it kind of takes away the like re- retarded, <laughs> stupid-looking fucking benches that you see. It kind of eliminates that. Like, you see the pictures that they use as an example of, like, what's good and what's not good now? The picture that's, like, what's, what's not good, the dude is, like, doing the splits on a dick. Like, his <laughs> shit's, like, just spread the fuck out. So I like, I think it's cool that it, it eliminates shit like that from, like, an outside. I'm, I'm thinking, like, from, from an outsider's perspective, you see benches like that, and you're like, what the fuck? Like, that's that's a joke. Like, why do you compete in a sport that allows motherfuckers to bench like they're doing a split on a dick, but their legs so spread? It is. I'm all for it. All right. Okay. Well, there you go. All right. Gage is all for it. That's actually some bulletproof logic there. And now we are going to interview Sean Jin. We got with us the junior 83 KG world champion and powerlifting's newest bad boy. Sean undershoots Jin. How are you, man? I've been all right. Um, work's been pretty hectic for the most part since I got back because they gave me a lot of crap to deal with. But otherwise, been pretty good. Been chilling, so no, no stress in the body at all. Should we start there with work <laughs> or? Uh, <laughs> well, well like, I mean, with worlds and uh, just coming up from worlds uh, and uh, well, is work giving a hard time for winning a world championship? They just not uh, care. I mean, it was at the time because I think uh, I think in the middle of my prep, I had uh, I was on call for a week, and so the way it works in tech is that like uh, when you're on call, you kind of have to have your laptop on you twenty four seven, and so if you get paged or something, that you have to kind of respond to it. At least uh, with the stuff that I personally work it with, and I got him paged on the weekends. I think I worked like. 80 hours that week or something like that Jesus Christ. Uh, just like on my on my laptop on the weekends like i would be on saturday i would work right after i lifted at like 10 a.m i would finish around like 
like 7 p.m. Mm -hmm. And then the day after, I was like working. I went to church. I was working during service until like I think 5:30 p.m. And I was like working on the car car ride too because I had a friend that was picking me up, dropped me off mm. at church, and he was giving me a ride back. I was working the car too to try to fix it and everything. So that was not a fun time. Uh, the actual week of the meet was pretty chill, to be surprising, other than uh, the food, which I guess is a good thing and a bad thing, since um, that means I'm not really forced to eat that much, because I was like deciding to cut down the amount of food intake that I was taking in, and also just replaced everything with like dark chocolate and naked juice that I brought in um, for my flight, so yeah, worked out like that, luckily, so... Well, yeah, I definitely got to give you a bigger thank you for coming on the show based on your insane work weekend. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's definitely a commitment there, and I applaud you for it. Um, so, IPF World Champion, uh, Junior World Champion, you had yourself an amazing performance, much better than we anticipated. We both we all picked you to win, but I don't think the total was something expected. We had you, or at least I had you, in a seven eighty five to seven ninety five range. And Steve had all of you guys way down because, you know, I don't know, Steve overthinks things. And that's what happens when you just know the lifter. Did you expect a total 797? Was that the goal or was 800 the goal going in? So, actually, so the numbers during middle prep, the goal was 813.5 was to break John Hack's uh, world record total. So, whatever numbers I need to set myself up just to hit that, like, reasonably, then uh, that's what I wanted. Uh, we changed our game plan. I think, like I think, like the week of the meet, and then decided to just hit whatever I needed. Uh, I expected everyone to hit anywhere from like seven eighty to seven ninety, mm -hmm. uh, assuming they go nine for nine. Uh, just because I was hoping that like Nick would make significantly better choices, and he did. I mean, he went seven for nine. That so, was that was the best um, Nick Manders I've ever seen. Yeah, and then uh, Nathan, uh, I expected around like seven. 85 to 790 and then eduardo was uh, actually i also expected around that range too but i got a little bit worried when it came to like the deadlifts because he had a chip on me uh during the first attempts so he was 0.5 kilos ahead of me and i was uh twirling my thumbs the entire time and after the first attempt i think my fingers cramped like crazy mm. and so i took like a lighter second that i would have otherwise i would have pushed for 800 uh, and then the 700 deadlift, but because my fingers were cramping, I was unsure at that point. So, mm -hmm. uh, but so I took some nine, seven and a half instead of 800 or uh, 13 instead of 317 and a half, I think, for my third attempt for that. So, yeah. Yeah. So, the, throughout the meet, was it kind of you and Edo kind of going back and forth, or was that the guy you were mainly tracking the entire time? Uh, so, I, I was actually super confident going in with myself. So, I, was pretty sure I had a significant lead by about like 10 to 15 kilos at least, uh, which was the case. Uh, and then so I did not worry, even though like Edo, like even if Edo hit it like 305, for example, I mean, he hit a 303, I would still would have been at least about, I think, 10, seven and a half kilos ahead, uh, which would kind of push him on deads because I was doing really well in the storm training. So I know exactly what I would need to hit in order to edge him out. Um, if assuming that like he decides to actually pop off, I did not expect him to actually pop off uh, during this meet because of the performance I had at nationals a while back. Uh, so 
But I guess for me personally, I always decide to take whatever number that their bus meat is and add like 20 to 25 kilos. Right? Mm-hmm. And then trying to make sure that I secure whatever I can on my training to reflect that in whatever meat I do. So. Yeah, it was a brilliant performance there, and you did what you needed to do. And I mean, still, 797.5 kilo total puts you in the conversation with the best 83 kg lifters in the world from the USAPL and in the IPF. Um, but you did mention I John Hack's IPF junior world record. Is that your next goal, or is your goal Delaney Wallace? Um, so I don't think I have enough time where I would feel comfortable to hit that properly and then prep again for yay nationals for worlds i would rather just take a shot at um nationals this next year because i'll be aging out in january and nationals is in february so i don't find a point of like tackling that um so the goal is to beat delaney and then afterwards to try to take if i depending on how training goes try to take russ's record if possible uh for the total so um i know i'll have a 25 uh by february if like all the chips are like stacked in place like um i think i had like about like two and a half to five kilos for each lift uh like for squat for bench and like maybe deadlifts at most like seven and a half if i really like wanted to push it but because their goal was to just win i don't want to make any like bold decisions in terms of like pulling like any more than I need to or squatting or punching anymore. I need to, especially because like I would be leading significantly by subtotal already. So mm-hmm. it's just hitting my thirds for duds. Yeah. It's admirable how much confidence you have too. I mean, it's just like, oh, I know I have a 25 in me and I'm like, shit, like I don't even know if I have a 25 in me. I wish I could speak so like loosely about it. Like you do. Um, because yeah, that would be huge. A 25, I think is a, is a solid total for everyone in who's not Russ in the uh, yeah. 82 and a halves or 83s in the world uh, because you want to be in that range. We always talk about me and my coach being in a range to beat Russ and we're like 830 and above is the range to beat Russ. But you're in a weird position, right? Because we mentioned like the goal of beating John Hack's junior record or Delaney's just Delaney straight up, but you're not going to be able to go head to head against Delaney because of the Sheffield schedule. So this Going into nationals, it's, it's just like we got to hit this number because we know the guy's not going to be here and we got to make him push for it at Sheffield. What's the game plan going forward with that? So there are actually rumors going around, uh, and I'm not going to be able to say whether they're true or not, uh, unless Powerlifting America decides to announce that explicitly to the guys competing at Sheffield. They might have to do both nationals and Sheffield, which changes the game plan completely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So if that's the case, then uh, Delaney has to think about whether he has enough time to even prep for Sheffield afterwards and like basically maintain uh, or like uh, or if he absolutely has to overshoot slightly in terms of like what he needs to hit in nationals to be prepared for Worlds uh, for Sheffield, then he kind of scoops it up, up for Sheffield. So I guess it depends on like what his goals are. I think like chance might have to do something very similar, but those are just only rumors going around. And I don't want to say anything like concrete unless yeah. uh, Robert Keller decides to like obviously say something. So, but it is definitely uh, something to consider for myself. And I think for everyone else who are, who is competing at Sheffield, as well as like the guys who are like trying to recompete at uh, nationals in this case. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, yeah, those rumors I didn't hear of those rumors, but I would 
I would assume that they would have to come to that decision because you do have weight classes where there's an actual battle and it's not going to be based on merit who's getting the world spot. Because if you go out there and total 825 and then Delaney totals like 827 at Sheffield, how can you say that clearly Delaney could get a spot because he only out-totaled someone a month prior by two and a half? The head-to-head battles is what I think yields a world spot. But also, I mean... I'm not going to say it's a rumor, just an assumption here. I believe John Gruden should be going to Powerlifting America, just based on logic. Just simply due to it making sense for him. Because I don't see, he cannot compete at Nationals, or USAPL Nationals. Interesting. And that would be the only thing. around that too. Yeah, so, so, I mean, it's, for that, it's um, outside of the football season, he gets Nationals and he gets Worlds that he both can compete at. Uh, barring the Las Vegas Raiders getting into the Super Bowl, which you never, you know, it's the NFL. Anything could happen. But um, the, that the, that act, that's another competitor thrown in there as well. So, what do you think would be the total then at Power of the America, uh, Power of the American Nationals to win? To win. So there are two cases. So if Delaney has to compete in uh, Nationals, I think I might have to go a little bit more conservative. Uh, so I would say like, um, like maybe a fifteen, a twenty, because that's what he hit last nationals. And unless like he's making strides again, like he did in last, like not this past nationals, but twenty twenty one run out, uh, then I'll be very concerned. Then I might have to say, okay, like maybe uh, eight thirty, eight thirty two and a half, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it is in the case that like uh, Delaney gets like an extra month to prep, um, that could. We, I think that kind of throws like whatever total I need to put like out out of this room just because like it's hard to figure out like what Delaney's capable of because like he's so closed indoors anyways. Even though like I could technically show up to his gym and figure out what the heck he's <laughs> squatting, benching, just do it. I'm yeah. literally like do it. twenty just miles go. over. Yeah, go. Um, Whenever he's training, just go. In between yeah. him and Taylor Atwood making TikToks, just go. <laughs> just pull 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 up i could technically but <laughs> i think like even if that's the case i probably wanted like i doubt i would ever have a 40 by february but maybe a 40 to make sh- to put delaney really on edge because like the only way at that point for him to win is to beat russ's record i think uh, mm. i technically there would be 842 and a half or something like that uh but it would be for him to break russ's record which i think it's out of reach for him for quite a while mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say probably the same thing. 825 was the total I was thinking of just in general. If Gruden goes there too, I put his range of 820 to 825 because he's another lifter that's hard to prepare for. Um, you yeah. Like every single time we compete against Deuce, we do not know what he's going to do. He can go 820 to 830 or 815 to 805. We just really don't have a good read on him because he doesn't post a lot of social media. And Delaney is the same thing. Like speaking from experience competing against both guys, Easily the two hardest guys to compete against because I have no idea what they're about to do on meet day. Yeah. Um, I'm getting a little bit better of an idea of Deuce just because, like, I've competed against him so frequently that you're kind of seeing, like, what he's progressing each and every meet. But he his, his progression has been really, really good. Yeah. I'm, I would be more uh, scared of Gruden than... Delaney at this point because Delaney has not progressed at all in terms of his total. Like 
uh, PA Nationals, I expected him to hit 815 really easily, mm-hmm. like on just on second attempts alone. But he was grinding out his seconds um, uh, and is uh, definitely on his third for his squad and bench. So uh, I was generally surprised when we actually matched them bench. Um, and I know he squatted a decent amount with me on, on squat as well, but his attempts did not look easy. I know, I know you talk, you guys talked about this uh, when you guys were going over the uh, like PA Nationals. So um, unless like Delaney actually is like his training does actually reflect off of like what he puts up on stage, then sure. Uh, but I don't think that's a good indication of that. I know he has really good training, but I'm not sure if he's like way too heavy or cutting way too much or something. Something's happening where he's not performing as much as he should have. Or maybe he's just, uh, maybe if he already hit, hit his peak, who knows? It's kind of hard to determine because, you know, like there is a chance where like he might be in a slight deficit right now in terms of strength, but he might come back like the year after. So, yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree with you as far as just him being hard to read and don't know exactly what the issues can be. But at the same time, like I'm looking at it, it's two meets that he took. And those are two. One was a weird meet with Powerlifting America Nationals because it wasn't the national meet that everyone is used to. So he yeah. kind of knew, like, okay, if I total 800, there's a good chance I'm just going to win pretty easily. And you can go and hit that with um, somewhat of aggressive second attempt, which is what he did. He hit his second attempts, yeah. and that really got him the victory. And then Worlds, I, you know from experience, Worlds is Worlds. A lot of travel, a lot of weird weight-cutting situations. And I think if we saw him just a little bit more freaking on the platform, we have an idea of it. But um, but at the same time, like, because I, I, I could relate it to myself a little bit because we had a, a down meet at Virginia Pro and then a decent meet at the Arnold, even though I would consider the down meet. And then, you know, we kind of shot up to eight, 19 and a half. So that's one thing I'm looking at Delaney. It's like he could just have one of those meets where he shoots up. So... Um, I know you would be prepared for it uh, regardless because it sounds like you already have the game plan of what numbers you have to hit, and you're definitely not overlooking anyone um, on competition day. But you're an incredibly honest person. And I, even just based on the just the description that you gave me of all your competitors, you're just very honest. And it's gone on social media quite a bit. So I, I got to ask you, if you guys don't follow Sean Undershoots, you got to do it because you turned into, like, my favorite powerlifter in the past – three months, especially considering when I met you in Austin, you're like, I mean, really how you are now an articulate kind person who wasn't giving me all the hot takes in the world. When we were talking, it just really bullshit. Get to know you, uh, conversations. And then on social yeah. media, uh, you know, like you started to just, I think just voice your opinions when you're doing that. Is it just because you want to be honest? You want to in- entertain yourself. You enjoy arguing because, a lot of people do it for clout, and I could tell it's just it's not clout. It's just not a thing that you're interested in is the clout aspect of what Pug does or something or other lifters who talk a lot of shit. Yeah. So I think for me, it's because, like, I'm in a position where I don't need clout in terms of, like, uh, making money, I guess. Like, yeah. I have a really, really nice well, five job. Uh, like I obviously work my ass off to be where I'm at, but like the growth from my that would get from like like from tech is significantly better than I would ever in powerlifting, unless I'm like Larry Wheel or something like that. But um, like if I like the goal is to retire by like 32, 
at, at the very most. Wow. Yeah, I know that's a bold claim to make. Bastard. But in terms of the actual tracks I can make, I'm so jealous like, of that comment. That. I'm 29. <laughs> and there's like, no, I'm gonna be working for a while boy, here. Yeah. Like in terms of the actual track that I'm making right now, though, it's absurd. Like I was thinking about it uh, a couple years back when I started university. Like uh, I probably there's no way I'll be able to retire to like maybe like 50 or like maybe even 60. And then afterwards, I was like, okay, let me see what I can do in order to leverage this. And then so working in tech, which is basically trying to get into like uh, Harvard or any other top tier university for like software engineering, uh, would be the goal in this case. And then that would enable me to essentially uh, make like a decent like six figure salary within my first year. Like I already make six figures within my like my first year of ever working. And on top of like on top of that, the growth uh, from there is just linear. So uh, if I get a promotion, I'll make double essentially of what I'm making right now. And I'm getting close to 200k. So it's like, uh, but this includes like shares and everything too. So like. Uh, it can I, it can also be like oh make two hundred k but right now with my stocks I'm down like um I think I'm down forty k per year so I'll be down one hundred twenty k if it's at this rate mm. so uh, there is that aspect though at the same time so even though I say I'm making like this amount supposedly uh, which is, like total compensation in reality might be significantly less depending on like what the stock is. because we just get stocks as a power as uh, like within our uh, composition um so yeah yeah well every listener who is listening right now is probably like shit every broke <laughs> fucking power lifter oh by the way um obsidian ammonia smelling salts uh because i'm not making that money i need the discount codes being used so we can get some affiliation here use promo code 2wl15 on hypedust.com to save yourself some money on the best smelling salts in the game Use that promo code 2WL15. Uh, yeah, you don't need that. You don't You don't need discount code uses based on what you just told me. So, uh, yeah. Make sure you guys go to HypeDust.com. Use that promo code 2WL15 and get the best smelling salts in the game. They go from mild and they go from really, really strong. We don't have Steve to test it, but you guys heard it before. It knocks his goddamn glasses off if he had glasses on. They're so damn strong. All right. So, yeah. Okay. So, I mean... I, that's actually a really interesting point there because you're just freely using social media and yeah. most power lifters use, so it's either they have a job where they don't need social media. So they're just not on social media. Like Gruden, Gruden, for example, Gruden's strength and conditioning coach mm-hmm. for the um, Las Vegas Raiders. He doesn't post a lot because probably doesn't have time and has no concern for it because he's got one other shit to do. He's very busy. Um, so it's just not it's not a valuable tool for him. So he's just not on it as often. And I can see I can see that a lot with different people. You are on social media frequently, and you're becoming a personality. But it's just simply because you can, and you're unfiltered because of that. You don't have anything really to worry about. Like it's actually an amazing position to be in. Yeah, I don't have any obligations to anyone either, technically. So. Because, like, I'm only sponsored by uh, one company at the moment, like, and he hasn't said anything for me to, like, calm down. Yeah, I don't, just, like, you're not going to get any say of that. I do whatever you want. Yeah, pretty much. I don't <laughs> think a powerlifter has lost a sponsor for talking shit on social media. We're, like, in a position where we can burn bridges and still get our sponsorship money. Yeah. 
So like even then, but like because I'm like still relatively small and like people are probably just looking at me, at least some companies are at the moment that haven't said anything. I'm just like, yeah, whatever. If it works out, it works out. If it doesn't, it doesn't. So like I always have like a uh, like a plan B or plan plan C up ahead. Like technically, like getting the sponsorships would be like will allow me to like um use like whatever I get a little more wisely. Like I could just spend it more on tickets. I don't have to think about like that as much, like, you know, to hopefully fly out to worlds. If I do qualify for worlds next year or to Sheffield or whatever it is. So I'm like not concerned about that at the moment. It's just like, uh, in terms of like, Oh, I have to get the sponsorship, like that sponsorship. Those are just like nice things that I would like to receive and that I would want to also be able to like, like I've only reached out like to specific companies that I actually want to work with. Like, so like, I'll be honest, I worked out, uh, I reached out to Stoic at 110% on my own, like, and then like, I've been talking with them uh, for a little bit since then. Yeah. Um, and I've been like, like, if you don't like see me as a good fit, you know, co completely understandable. Um, I don't want to ruin your image uh, if it's like, because of like some of the content I post or whatever it is. Mm. Like uh, if you want to put me on trial or just like, look at like how I'm progressing so far, uh, we could talk later. So, on, so, on. so like, I'm not the type of person that like, at the moment needs that type of thing to do what I'm doing right now in terms of like powerlifting because I have a pretty good job where mm -hmm. uh, it enables me to kind of do whatever the heck are and kind of say almost anything that I want, especially mm -hmm. social media. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, I, I've kind of noticed that and you, you kind of tell when it's genuine and it's, I'm like, he's giving us takes, he's giving us his opinion on things and it's genuine because a lot of people are like, okay, I'm going to call this lifter out because I know that it can get me some clout. Um, hopefully, uh, Stoic dives a little bit deeper into that. I know I suggested, no, I suggested you recently. Hopefully, they're listening to that. Also, go to lift.net, use promo code ANGELA10 to get yourself the best powerlifting gear. I'm just doing ad reads this all throughout your interview. Get the best powerlifting gear in the sport. I wear it on the platform and on or on the platform in the gym because it is the best. It is quality. Use promo code ANGELA10. Hopefully, you will have a discount code very soon, Mr. Jin. Um, uh, yeah, and I, I got to ask you this, though, because I've seen kind of the work being done and what's going on social media, who is giving you the most heat? Like what fan base is giving you the most heat in the DMS after you make a story post about a certain lifter? So usually if it's like directly a lifter, then it'll be that personal like fan base specifically or follower base. So even though like, for example, just going to briefly talk about it for a moment, like Russ's thing, even though it was like only like 10% about I, Russ. I was really surprised that because I thought I was confused. I'm like, wait, is Russ mad at me? Because I just, because you mentioned everything and you put like five paragraphs on there. So I'm like, I just was reposting it because there was a lot to digest. I don't even know. Cause you mentioned like five other people. So then yeah. I, I saw his screenshotted story. And I'm like, ah, shit, I guess Russ is mad at me now. Like, oh, okay, whatever, I don't give a fuck. He could talk to me at Corrupted. But I'm like, I don't know, I think he's talking shit to Sean here. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was talking smack about me, but, like, that I had a brain dead take. But I'm just like, did you even read the whole thing? Like, it's fine, like, people don't read the whole thing. I, I could care less. Like, that's just your fault, right? Yeah. But then, like, I have, like, and, like, if he cared enough he would probably bring it up to me but like i feel like i'm like way too i was wait i'm still kind of small but i was way too small at the time for him to even probably consider such like whatever who cares right so but his fan base had to come and try <laughs> to like say these random ass comments i'm just like did you guys even read the thing like i made a story after about like addressing some of the points specifically to like clarify a little bit more and then people are like 
you're just making excuses at this point. I'm like, no, just please freaking read for like five seconds. Like if you had an additional brain cell, I know you only have like one <laughs> brain cell right now. Like, like if you had another brain cell, you'd be able to understand where I'm coming from. And it's not to like, um, put rust down or anything like that. Like if anything, like setting rust as the benchmark is probably like the best thing. Like I could probably give a compliment to someone's like rust is the benchmark of like what it takes to be the best in the 83, 82 halves of power thing right now. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's kind of how I read it. I was surprised to see it, but I mean, I'll tell you from experience, I mean, I've never been on the wrong side of actually I've been on a one, one very, 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 very small example of it. But Russ's fan base is probably the most loyal and the biggest nut huggers in powerlifting. It's just, it's not even close. Like if you say anything mildly disagreeing with Russ, like he will never say, I mean, I'm, I'm surprised he didn't reach out to you personally for it. Um, but I mean, he'll re like, if I say something, he'll say something personally to me and he'll do something like that. And he's, he's a really, really good, genuine dude. Like he is yeah. like when I, when I speak to him, he is great, but his fans and the people who are, you know, huge Russ fans, and I call them Russ nut huggers, they can get annoying. Um, seeing on comments on Two White Lights, but then, like, in the DMs as well, I, I, I'm i not surprised at all, and I knew that was going to happen to you. I knew it was going to happen, like, a bunch of people were going to DM you, and none of them were going to be Russ, or really anyone significant. There are going to be a lot of, you know, Marks. There are going to be fans. There are going to be Mar uh, Russ Marks. And... I mean, I remember I did one thing where I disagreed with Russ on his bench take, and we both were like, yeah, we just disagree with each other, but it's not a big deal. Most people, they were just trying to pry, like try to have something yeah. there. Like, because, I mean, powerlifters, the, their life is dull, and powerlifting is dull yeah. as dirt. It just is. So they need something yeah, to, like, true. just entertain themselves. And they're, like, they're asking us in our Q&As certain things that will get us going back and forth. And then somebody messaged me, is like, this is why you'll never be a champion. And I'm like, dude, Russ is not going to be your fucking friend because I disagreed with his fucking bench take. And it was a very mild disagreement that we both were like, yeah, we see each other's logic. Like personally, I'm like, but this guy who loves Russ, who comes in my DMS and be like, this is why you're never going to be a world champion. I'm like, yeah, this is why this is the exact reason why I'm not my total, not my bench. I disagree with changing the rules on bench press. That is why I'll never be a world champion someday. So, I mean, I didn't really hold back against this guy. I told him that Russ will not be his friend and get off his dick. And I never heard from him again. But, that, I mean, that's really what – I mean, I'm sure you had way more. Um, that's one really small example. Is Has it any? Has it got to, like, lifters yet? Where lifters are, like, reaching out to you like, yo, what the fuck? Um, no. So, I think the uh... – I know you guys are going to probably be covering this like later or earlier at some point. I don't know when exactly this part of the uh, episode, uh, part of my uh, spiel would be in uh, the episode. But uh, I talked, I'm, I commented on the KOTL uh, bench rules thing. And uh, usually, and then like, I started roasting the crap of like some of, like, some of the kids, like saying like brain dead takes and mm. all that stuff because uh, the takes were not good in terms of like, like like really elbow death with like the shoulder joint out of any other rule you picked you pick probably the most obscure one mm -hmm. and if you're like oh but like you can already tell death for squat like it should be the same thing for elbow death like judges already have trouble like determining what death is on squat it's so subjective like yes it says like okay uh, i'm technically the uh, rule book like 
for a majority of the federations it's like like the hip crease has to be like uh where like the fly on top of the knees or something like that, right mm. it's like but like that's a little bit less clear when like sometimes like the single itself doesn't actually fold properly and then therefore you can't actually see the top of the knees sometimes like the quads are way too big for certain lifters too where like it doesn't look like he's he or she's lifting that for example and because of that it's like it's way too obscure if we had like the technology placed right now where like a, like in like some of the olympic sports like in track where uh like within like what a tenth or even like a hundredth of a second they could tell if someone's like cheating by like going ahead before the gunshot or reacting a little bit too quickly for example like if we had something like that in place not to that much of like sophisticated technology it's not like that sophisticated either but like for like uh for like squat theft and like for i guess like now the elbow theft then yeah sure that would be fine but that's not in place and that takes a while for that to happen too like i would say it would like if you want to add like an elbow depth or some type of like depth rule and relationship to your body, there should be a way to make a more objective statement of like how that could be representative for like 99.9% of lifters. And then from there, it's like, um, like actually implementing it properly, uh, testing it out to see how well or poorly people perform based on those changes. How, like if, since, it's like the IPF because they want to get to the Olympics. How do like the other people actually react in terms of watching this? To be honest, this doesn't really change the bench too much in terms of like how cringe it is to watch for a majority of like average viewers, I guess. Mm -hmm. Like I see a lot of comments on like the IPF bench. Um, I don't think the elbow depth is going to change that much, to be honest, because I still get comments on my bench and I still have a decent bound range of motion. I still hit elbow death even with max grip. So it's uh, it's kind of a weird thing to do, to be honest. Like you, again, like any rule change could have happened. Probably the worst one. Yeah, and that's uh, I mean, yeah, we did talk about it earlier, and you get our full takes on that prior to this. But I I did mention that I think the people who make those comments on King of Lifts and even our page, like I've been getting all notifications on my page, and it takes a lot for me not to argue. I would argue from my personal no. side, not on two white lights. Um, but I'm like, no, I'm not going to do it because it's the most brain dead takes. It has nothing to do with us wanting zero range of motion benches. It's more so the logic behind the rule being fucking stupid. And if you don't understand yeah. it, that it's fucking stupid, you're fucking stupid. And that is why you're arguing on the King of List post or two white lights post on this is going to get rid of all the cheaters. You know, they're making rules that pretty much the people who go one for three in powerlifting. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you have a massive, or like a zero range of motion bench, most of the time they don't progress. Most of the time they go one for three or they like the odds of them bombing out is incredibly high or they don't hit any of their benches. And so many of them don't even have records. There's some lifters who do some lifters who don't. And I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be the one to say, yeah, that's cheating bench. I agree. It looks stupid. It looks weird. It's not an actual show of strength. I understand that part, but it's the rationale and the logic behind the rule that is stupid. And if you don't understand that, then you are, you're dumb. I'm sorry. You're just, you're dumb. Yeah. I think it's just like, there has to be like, I understand that it, like they want to make a significant change so that like they can keep up with like all the other sports in terms of viewership. Cause like, obviously we're, we're like super behind right now. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, who the heck cares about powerlifting, to be honest, right? Like, I personally find powerlifting to probably be one of the most boring sports to watch, even though I love competing and I love, like, some of the passion that people have. 
for it. Like, I'm going to say this now. I feel bad. I feel super guilty about this. I was like watching uh, one of my friends uh, compete at Worlds like in person. And I'm like, I was like really tired. I started snoozing in and out like while he was like squatting. Yeah. Which is probably like the worst, probably the worst thing I could do. And then once he got to his thirds, I started screaming. Afterwards, I just passed out right after. <laughs> so it's like, it's it's tough. Like, how do you make powerlifting more of a spectacle that people want to watch? Like, especially in the IPF specifically, because I feel like they're trying to mimic the way like Olympic weightlifting is done with the, like the staging and the lighting and everything like that, which is perfectly fine, right? But because like there isn't like too much that happens other than the actual movement itself and I feel like it's not, I mean, it's not like too much of a, like a spectacle sport, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I, I, well, I, I think there's tons of ways to help powerlifting viewability and it's not the zero range of motion bench because motion one, it's, bench, yeah. it's, it's very, it's, it's a very small percentage of people who actually do it. And that's not hurting the viewership and powerlifting. There's a ton of ways to make, I think it more viewable. And those are ideas that might still change the sport that I have, but it's it has nothing to do with how people lift. It has to do with how meets are organized and how things are ran and how you want to actually get this into a live spectator audience. Because I mean, I've I've commentated every type of meet. I've commentated primetime meets. I've commentated invite only meets. I've commentated local meets, IPA multiply meets. I've commentated a lot of them. The ones that have the energy the most time through are the ones that last two hours. If it's a two-hour meet and it's like a regular sporting event, as long as the lifting is good on the day, then it's going to be in a very it's going to be an entertaining meet, and people I think will actually view into it. But I mean, I'm I'm a avid sports fan. Sometimes games just suck. Sometimes it just it's two-hour time frame and it just sucks. You're sitting there and you fall asleep during it because it sucks. There's certain soccer games. That's fucking brutal to watch because nothing is happening. There's football games. That's brutal to watch. Nothing's happening. Basketball. There's turnovers all over the place during games. It's a sloppy game. No one wants to watch it. It's just, I think people got to understand like what the sport is and what sports are. And sports occasionally can be really boring. And this is coming from a massive sports fan who really the only TV I watch is like my uh, uh, two TV shows and all sports. And I could recognize, like, this game fucking sucks. And then I'll turn it off or fall asleep. I've fallen asleep during many games before. And it's it's never it, – it's it's not because of, like, because players are gold, or players are too tall in basketball. And it's making the game not fun. Or they're, they're shooting too many threes. I'm like, eh, no. No, I'm like, this is not the reason why I'm not watching the game. It's because occasionally the rules do – align with it not being very viewable and it has happened in the past, but I don't think this is one of them. It's a thin entering wedge argument that people are using. Yeah. I think like uh, in terms of viewership and stuff too, like I know, for example, like I'm not like, I'm pretty sure you don't watch any like esports. I'm pretty sure a lot of people don't watch esports and stuff. So I tend to watch esports like a lot of times and they're like, they're insane commentators and like make actually watching like some like some of these video games like a lot of fun to watch like uh their commentary is like spawn on and there's a lot and also there's a lot of things that are happening at the same time where you can like go from camera frame to camera frame and see someone else actually doing something that's like very engaging and then so but like because like with the sport that we have too it's not like the most engaging in the fact of the matter either in terms of what happens because you're literally just squatting benching deadlifting like maybe if you see a grind then that would be super sick yeah records <laughs> big li- i mean records big lifts like 
It's Man. or or potentially like rank like um just taking a posi- uh taking a position away from someone or ranking or get, pulling for the win yeah. or the you know even a bomb out can be interesting. It's just like there's parts of certain sports like a ground out in baseball isn't exciting. Yeah. Right. If you're watching a ground out, it's like okay, it's a ground out. Uh, but if somebody makes a diving play, it's like okay, that was entertaining to watch. So it's just I don't know. I think people people. I think expect a lot out of powerlifting and I don't think they have a really good understanding of just like what makes something entertaining in the sports world. Um, and yeah, there's a, there's, I mean, no, no football game is good. If it's eight hours, zero, it could be the best. It could be the fucking best teams, best players. And if it's eight hours, be like, I got shit to do and I don't want to watch all this. Like I can't be invested the entire time. And powerlifting meets a lot of times, even the big ones like WRPF American Pro, uh, the Kern. Um, I bet the USPA Pro coming up is going to just be a long meet. It's going to be five to eight hours. No one wants to watch five to eight hours of anything. There's a reason why TV shows yeah. go into a 30-minute to an hour range. Yeah, and usually probably people like tune out the live stream until they see whoever, like, friend or someone they want to support competing, and that's it. And, then, like, there's no need for them to even, like, watch the like so many other competitors just to watch the other competitors because they find them interesting. Like the only time they win is probably if like someone's going to take a spot or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's about it. Like I'm not really a big sports like fan, to be honest. I don't really watch sports that much. I didn't really grow up on sports, but I understand like the need of like there for like to be some type of spectacle and like, and for there to be like a short enough duration where we can actually retain, I guess the entertainment value in terms of watching like anything in general so and powerlifting does a terrible job at doing that so um and it it sucks like i kind of wish like we did get more of like that viewership but like because um i don't think we put enough effort at the moment in terms of considering that other than like maybe some of these instagram comments are saying oh this guy is benching with one inch range of motion that's cringe like that's not going to be particularly helpful either i don't think that people that are making the comments know what it will take for us to be like a better sport to watch. Yeah, so. it's it's. I think it's the worst argument. Is just it's gonna help the viewability of it. I'm like, no one. If there was, I mean, I just I I think I mentioned on the podcast, so I don't want to repeat myself too much. But like Jacob yeah. Miller's bench press is the best bench press I've ever seen. I love watching his bench press. It still doesn't get at the crowd as into it as a squat or a deadlift, because bench press for some reason uh, for raw lifting, I actually think for multi ply yeah. and single ply, it's different. They they do really enjoy the bench press. Um, but for raw lifting, people just kind of tune out for bench. I don't know why. I think Jake Amendola, Jonathan Keiko, these big benchers are beautiful benchers. I love watching their lifts. Like, I do get entertained by watching all of it. just amazing to me that you can hold 500 pounds in your hand and press it off your chest. But I, it, it, they kind of tune out uh, on occasion. Um, but at the same time, that's, like, what ESPN really, like, views and is bench press because I think other people can relate to it. Um but I, I want to get I want to get this question out before I get to lifter rating. Um, so you have this amazing meet, seven ninety seven and a half kilos at uh, IPF Worlds, and then you kind of just hang dong on the entire competition by, or not the entire competition, the entire IPF by calling out Gaston. How do you do it? How do you how how are you like this far in the zone? Like people were telling me things that were there, and I don't know if they're true or not. I'm getting like Sean Jin told Gasan to go fuck himself. And I'm like, what? <laughs> How do you even get away with that? Like what happened? Uh, I think it's cause like you start a 
so apparent so some of us like left trash in like the platform or, or like like and like the like this like spectator like seats or whatever that's like and then i think at some point like gaston was like pretty upset like he's pretty upset about it like he should be right like you know you should be well you know, in the spectator seats uh, wait spectators were leaving or like, like the people like sitting in the back watching watching the, oh okay, watching. okay. Yeah, yeah like so the thing is it's like yeah like you should be upset but like afterwards he says the comments of like you guys are act- like something along the lines of this. I'm not exactly sure if it's accurate or not, but like you guys are acting like animals. Like, do you guys even like you probably like do the same thing as you would at home? I'm just like, there's no need for you to say that. On top of that, he like was trying to get people's attentions initially for like, you know, to like do the award ceremony or, or whatever. And he started like saying like, hey, am I speaking Spanish or something like that? And I was like, you know, there's like three hispanic countries here right <laughs> like you're at a, you're at a, like, you're at an international competition gaston <laughs> yes there's some people who speak spanish here yeah so it's like like how could you like say those things like ignorantly without like sounding like an absolute asshole i'm sorry like if people like if someone tells me like oh i'm not allowed to say this it's just like i mean like i like or like i don't mind if like someone says like oh you're not supposed to call like like kind of screamed that because like, it wasn't appropriate but at the same time i'm just like i don't care like if i get kicked out right now so be it like if you're gonna like show some integrity like i like at least do it in a nice way otherwise you're not going to get the same reception from you know your lifters mm-hmm. like yes it's a, it's important for you to like um like kind of showcase like to like the general audience of like what we can like what we can actually do right at the same time like if you're not supportive of your lifters at all either or like um like constructively like giving them feedback in terms of like what would be more appropriate and then like giving like those lifters like providing feedback back then like you're gonna get ripped apart like i'm, I'm sorry like if you looked at like what the ipf page for i think the bench the 74 kilo bench like world record like yeah, that that was I'm crazy yeah it's like at that point i'm not the one like shooting the shots here i decided to call out the hypocrisy right and they're they're just ignoring me and now they're kind of like shooting themselves in the foot because of that like i want the ipf to be bigger right and i like otherwise i wouldn't want to be in the ipf right mm-hmm. like i want to be a part of this world stage and like be like a good representative of like someone from the u.s competing in this field but if you're not treating your like lifters properly or and like not taking the criticisms from like the people are, who are actually competing and the refs themselves then like why are you making these specific rule changes in the first place yeah. like i want to be supportive of the ipf i still am it makes it a lot harder for me to do so yeah i i i thought that was so bold them posting that today um yeah we're, we're recording this on sunday so they they i mean it was an amazing lift too and something that i am yeah. you know just in, i'm like that was a very very good lift and it's like I can't like I can't believe that they posted it after they're like, well, this bench won't even count next year, so see ya. And then it's like, was it was this a save face? Was it save PR? Because I guess, but I mean, I, you say you want the IP. I think they just did it because like it's a war record. They he broke it like, and then like they're just gonna post it. I think yeah. I think that's on its own makes sense, right? It's just really bad timing because he decided to post this entire bench, new bench rule set disable the comments afterwards and now decide to post like a new like bench world record with like 
the rule they're trying to destroy, like break apart in the first place. So yeah, or add, I guess in this case. No, I mean, I guess I relate to that a lot because I mean, I want well, I mean, I want powerlifting or at least drug tested powerlifting to really grow to an extent, uh, or to an extent of something big of something like that will continue to give money to the lifters and to have a bunch of sponsorships. And that's why I think people are outspoken and guys like you and I are outspoken about people in those positions because we want to make sure people making decisions are making it for their actual customer base, which is us. And we're the ones who can actually grow it for you. Um, I mean, I guess, I, I guess like the situation is a little bit, it's very similar with you and the IPF and us with the USAPL. Like we want, but it, it, they almost are like so alike. And it's funny that they can't like come to an agreement because they're so alike because they do. I mean, both yeah. of them do these things. Both of them disable comments. Both of them have this. I, I, I guess the only difference is Gaston takes things personal. Yeah. Where the USAPL, you don't know exactly who you are talking to because no one no. really gets, no one really throws themselves out there to you or like get a warning. Cause I know that a lot, I have few lifters. I know who have either made a meme about Gaston, like they've been contacted, like not to do that. <laughs> I mean, I've been told from certain people to not make specific stories and not to take them down. So, and like, and like response to that, it's like, I understand like if I decided to make a story about like a specific issue, that could have been easily addressed then sure like uh then i'll do that like for example with power of the america because they're such a new federation it's like you know i have to give them a chance right yeah. like despite some of the conflicts or some of the things that they've done wrong right and like even though like i still have issues with some of the things that they do like i'm still going to be part of them because i you know if they want to be part of the like be representative of america and for the ipf then I want to make sure, like, I'm still a good representative of it. But at the same time, if you're not necessarily, like, following in terms of, like, what would be appropriate for the lifters to do, then it's hard for me to, like, want to sit in my seat and wait for these things to happen. So, like, I like I did, like, irrationally decide to say, like, some of the things I said before I took them down out of respect and also, like, I want to mm. do that. So I'm like, okay, fine. I'll, I'll do it out of respect. But if nothing changes, then I have no reason to, like, stay at this point because... Like, as much as I want to be a part of this federation, right? If the things I'm uh, saying and, like, some of the other lifters would probably agree with me with this, right, uh, aren't being addressed, then, you know, we're probably going to be pretty upset in terms of, like, coming into the platform might not want to necessarily represent uh, the federation that we truly want to be a part of. Yeah. So it's, like, it's difficult. Yeah, for sure. I, I That makes sense to me. I, even though part of me is, like, I get to post whatever I want, that would probably be my, like... My whole issue with it, like, I get my own social media platform and I get to post whatever I want as long as it's not, like, actual libel and slander. Then, like, that's yeah. the thing. I'm like, if it's libel and slander, then, yeah, legally I'll have to take it down or so I can get sued. But if it's not libel or slander, then it's like I have – I could get I, – I should be able to address my concerns or my crit- criticisms or even a joke freely. Yeah. But I think we're just so small – as a as a sport and as federations go, because I think I, I, at times people don't understand like how small it is. Like you say something, people see it. It's not yeah. you you mention the NFL and something like as a fan, and then like of course they're not going to acknowledge it because they have a lot of other shit that they're doing. Power USAPL, IPF, Powerlifting America, all these other federations. Is that a whole? It's it's, it's small. It's mostly local shit that they're dealing with. So 
Um, that makes sense. All right. Lifter rating time. So we are going to oh, give you, boy. oh yeah, right. It's everyone's favorite part of the podcast, especially our guests. Squat, bench, and deadlift, 1 to 99, and then we'll come up with an overall. Let's start with squat, Mr. Jin. Uh, I'm cheating a little bit because I'm using Sean as a reference. So That is not uh, cheating. That's exactly what we're supposed to do. <laughs> uh, I'm going to give myself a 91 on squat. Okay. Uh, I know I can progress a little bit better. Uh, it's probably my best lift out of the three. Um, so I'll probably put a 91 on squat. Um, bench, I would say like probably 90. I did win. I did get first place in junior worlds for bench. Um, only by body weight, maybe. Uh, the only thing that's hindering back is my left pec strain that's been occurring for the past 10 months at this point. So, um, also, there are no excuses if you get uh, injured. You should figure out a way to deal with it. I've been dealing with the pec strain for the past 10 months. So, okay. I still been PR. Yeah. Yeah. Humble brag, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, just a little humble brag. Yeah. Uh, I would say for Della, probably my worst. Uh, even, I would say, like, now my squat bench and Della are, like, closely, like, a lot closer together now than they were before. So, I would say maybe, like, an 87 on deadlift. Okay. I definitely don't have like the best deadlift compared to like I haven't broken seven hundred. Yeah, I hit six ninety five, I guess. But like, um, I feel like once I hit the seven hundred mark, then maybe, maybe I'll give myself uh, the ninety. All but right. I still need to dial down a lot of these. Things. I probably had seven hundred in the tank too, but it's just like gotta dial down these things and be confident with actually hitting like beyond seven hundred or hopefully to hit like uh three twenty five kilos yeah. uh soon. So, All right. yeah. Well, that gives you an 89 overall. I, that was kind of what I was expecting going into this interview, and I knew you would probably have, like, some pretty accurate numbers going in. So, yeah, I mean, I really don't have any debate from that. I mean, I think bench and squat for you, I would put it the same, but we're talking about one, the difference of one. Like, if we're on the difference yeah. of one, then uh, then I think we're in pretty good agreement there, but... Yeah, and then on deadlift, too, it's like there's some big deadlifters in 83, including Ina. Um, so would that be your main competition as well going forward as far as young lifters go is Ina? Because I, 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 it feels like they crown him a lot of things before he's done it. He would be placed. So if the juniors were actually were to compete in the Open at the same time, right, if we were to go head-to-head, supposedly with the numbers, I would be placed second. Uh, the other three would be placed, like, I think, fourth to six and then you know would be placed uh i think seven mm-hmm. so i'll leave that as that i think that's the accurate number i'm not exactly sure there, yeah with the his total that he put up at worlds with his total put up at worlds but i think recently he did do a 792 total in the gym okay um, but i mean i have but he's his lit actually you ever watch a squat i know i'm getting off on a tangent here it is the lowest goddamn squat i've ever seen in my life and it's actually crazy to watch I'm not, I'm yeah, have to go watch, watch his him. squat. Yeah, because he just squatted 600, and he did the. I mean, it was. You're gonna get no issues from judging on that one. But uh, yeah, I just because I, I think he gets, I, as rightfully so, he's got an 800 pound deadlift. Um, a lot of publicity on his deadlifts. I looked at his squat. I'm like, holy shit, that is such a crazy, crazy squat. So uh, just of how he does it. But yeah, I think that um, it, it's been happening a lot, a little bit like what Ina can do. And then other people, like, not getting, or the people who actually have accomplished it, like, not getting the same spotlight. Yeah. 
I mean, because, like, again, if I missed my third attempt on squat or deadlift, I would have gone to second. Mm -hmm. So there's, like, I think if I missed on my third deadlift, I would have lost by 0.5 kilos. So there is that. And yeah. then for squat, I think I would have lost, I think, the same amount, too, I believe. So, uh, and I bench, I would pop, I'll, I'll still be ahead. But, you know, maybe uh, Edo or Nathan might have load, loaded something. Uh, Nick might have loaded something different for the third deads. Who knows? Um, like, Heinz in 2020, but who cares at this point? It's already been done. So, but I see them, at least those three, having to come back um, and really trying to take the world's open spot. Uh, I'm not exactly sure if Nathan's going to be competing for the open. I'm pretty sure he's going to try to see if he can compete for the open. Mm -hmm. and, and then hopefully, assuming that I take the world spot uh, to represent the US, uh, then I'll go head to head again. But I can't say anything unless I beat uh, Delaney or Gruden if, they, if Gruden and Delaney both show up. So I gotta see from there. All right. Well, fantastic having you on. It was a pleasure, sure. Hopefully, sir, hopefully we can get you on again sometime. Um, make sure you guys uh, tune in next week. We'll have a lot of preview shows coming about the USPA Pro, Texas Barbell Syndicate. We don't know if we're going to do a preview for the USPA Pro, but it is happening next week. Texas Barbell Syndicate and Corrupted Summit all coming up in a few weeks. Get excited. A lot of 2 Lights content. Again, thank you, Mr. Sean Jin world champion for coming on two white lights. It's been a pleasure and we'll see you guys next week.